0: Book of John tonight. Book of John. We're going to go to John chapter 15, is where we are going to uh, have the majority of our, our text here tonight. John chapter 15 say it's so good to see the Duffies and have the Duffies here with us. And uh, I know they've been back in the area, but this past Sunday down in Frankfurt, ministering down there. And I'm always so thankful to have them here at home with us. Amen. Amen. Yeah, that's good. John chapter 15. I just want to really... Start off with what is going to be the end of the the portion of text that we're taking tonight. But uh, we're going to start at the end and then we'll go back to the beginning. It's in John chapter 15 verse 11. Jesus speaking here says that these things have I spoken unto you that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. I think this probably is a pretty important passage that Jesus is speaking to us. If you are ever in the, in the same boat that I'm in at times where you feel like you just need a little bit of joy in your life. Anybody ever been there? I think, uh, I think that living with joy is, uh, is so much Better and, uh, more preferred than living life without joy. You can, you can live life either way, but I'd rather live life with joy in my life than without joy in my life. And I've, uh, I've heard so much, uh, really just spoken to so many people recently who have been dealing with just stuff, dealing with things and, and anxiety is, is I feel in this day and age such a, uh, a tremendous weight on on people's lives, and and I see the effect of anxiety, how it will suck the joy out of out of people, and and uh, just different issues that that are uh, rising in their life, and it can just suck the joy out of them. But Jesus says here that it is through these things that I've spoken to you that. My joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. And so I want to, that's how I want my life. I want my joy to be full. I want to live life knowing that the joy of the Lord is in me. That the joy of the Lord is my strength. And and to live life with strength, which is in the joy of the Lord. That's there's There's peace. There's peace in this. There's, there's a confidence that, that the Lord is good and that, and that I can have joy in that knowing that everything's going to be alright. As long as I, as long as I do as, take to heart what Jesus speaks here in this passage. And so let's, let's go back to the beginning of the passage. And we're going to start in verse number one. It says, Jesus speaking here again says, I am the true vine, and my father is the husbandman. But the the whole uh I guess I'll, I'll just mention that the title of this Bible study tonight is to abide in him, that we might abide in him. But I want to start here talking about the vine, which is where Jesus begins, begins this uh uh, illustration by pulling out this idea of a vine. And this is if, if you read through the book of John, you'll notice that there are several different times throughout the book that Jesus makes a statement in which he begins it with "I am." Now, that's a very profound two words that he would use because that harkens back to the Old Testament and the the encounter that moses has with god at the burning bush when moses asks god what or who should i tell pharaoh that sent me or what is your name and god reveals his name to moses as being the i am that i am that uh, i am this was uh, the the name of god even the name jehovah or yahweh it derives from this phrase, this uh, understanding of who God is, this name of God, I am. And Jesus uses that, uh, that phrase, this very, uh, when he would say it uh, to, to the people that he's speaking to, they, their ears would perk up a bit. They, uh, it catches their attention when he was, says, I am. Because uh, this is bringing them back to uh, to their understanding of who God is and the name of God. And this is the last of the I am statements that Jesus would make in the book of John. He says here that I am the true vine and my father is the husbandman. Now, if we look at this vine imagery, uh, and, and I'm not going to. Go into those those passages there, but uh, I have them listed in Isaiah and in Psalm. If you look back through the Old Testament, you can see this vine imagery that's that's used and is often this symbol uh, for God's people that the people of God would be likened unto the vine, and and so this is uh, a very uh, it's used several times throughout Scripture as uh, as being that symbol of the people of God. Jesus, though, here uses this and he says, I am the true vine. He's not speaking collectively in this moment, but rather of himself, that I am the true vine, not just the vine, but I am the true vine. It's it's not Abraham that was the true vine. It was not David that was the true vine, that it is Jesus Christ who is the true vine. It's not Israel, not them that are the true vine, but rather it is Jesus Christ who is the vine. And he says, my father is the vine dresser. My father's the husbandman. He's the caretaker of the vineyard. Now, perhaps you, you read that passage there and it, it might bring some, some question to your mind as far as Jesus, uh, Making this delineation between himself and the Father, him being the vine, the Father being the caretaker, the husbandman. But this is, if you if you look uh, look into this a little further, we see the dual nature of Christ that is displayed in this imagery that Jesus is speaking of. The dual nature of Christ. We know from Scripture that Jesus was. Fully human, right? That Jesus was 100% man. Also, Jesus was 100% God. That he was God, he was man. He was, we, we just talked on Sunday about the son of man. That Jesus addressed himself as being the son of man. Or he is fully man. But yet he is also the son of God. John chapter 1 verse 14 tells us that the Word was made flesh and it dwelt among us. The Word that, uh, I guess we could have gone back to John 1 1 where it says, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God and the Word was God. And that Word was made flesh and it dwelt among us. That Jesus is God manifest in flesh. He is completely and 100% human, just as we are. But Jesus was also fully God. He he addressed this uh, in John chapter 10. We see when he says, in John 10, verse 30, he says that I and my Father are one. I and my Father are one. In John chapter 14, verses 10 and 11, he Addresses this again. He says there that believest thou not that I am in the Father, and the Father in me? The words that I speak unto you. Actually, I'm gonna, I'm gonna back up just a few verses there. Uh, and let's go to let's go to verse six. Jesus says unto the, unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. That Jesus says, I am the pathway. I am, you, you can see me in flesh. You can see me here, but I am the one. Uh, and, and no man can come to the Father except through me. And that's because in order for us to get to God, in order to get to the, 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 uh, to heaven where God dwells, there had to be a flesh that would die, a perfect sacrifice that would die, which is Jesus Christ. It says, no man cometh to the Father but by me. If you had known me, then you should have known my Father also. And from henceforth you know him, you've seen him. If you've known him, you've seen him. Now, Philip, questioning this, says, Lord, show us the Father, and then it sufficeth us. Show us the Father, and then we'll understand what you're talking about here. We'll be satisfied. And Jesus said, have I been with you so long? And yet you still do not know me, Philip? He who has seen the Father, or he who has seen me, has seen the Father. And how sayest thou then, show us the Father? You've seen me, you've seen the Father. If you've seen me, see God Jesus was fully God. He says, I and my Father are one. I am the Father. I am in the Father. That's in verse 10 and 11. Believe us not that I am in the Father and the Father in me. The words that I speak to you, I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwelleth in me. He doeth the works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me, or else believe me for the very works sake. That Jesus was fully flesh, fully man, but Yet he had the the, the fullness of the Spirit of God that dwelt in him. And so there was, in Jesus Christ, the same ability or the same temptation that we may face. Jesus was tempted in like manner as us, right? That Jesus was able to uh, uh, undergo temptation in his life and he experienced temptation. Temptation, But yet, and that's, that's why we see Jesus praying. Because he in his flesh would will to do that which was against the will of his spirit. Jesus in his flesh had a will that would sin. But the spirit which was in him... He would, he submitted fully, completely to that spirit that was in him. And this is why, or where we see in, uh, when Jesus is praying in the Garden of Gethsemane in, in Luke twenty-two forty-two, 42, where it says, saying, Father, if thou be willing, understand, when he's speaking of the Father, anytime you, you read this and Jesus is speaking of the Father, he's talking about, The spirit, this is the same spirit that is him. This is him, but it's his flesh crying out and praying to the spirit. And he says, Father, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. So Jesus here, speaking of. Uh, his will, the will of the flesh against the will of the spirit, this battle that would take place. is the same battle that we see and we experience on our, in our own lives. This battle between spirit and flesh, what our, our flesh wants to do. And yet what the spirit of God uh, and, and what our spirit, um, when it's been reborn, regenerated into Christ, what it would do uh, or what it would have us to do. And we have this battle that's taking place. And so uh, we see this dual nature of Christ here. When Jesus says, I am the vine. But the Father or the Spirit comes. And it's the vine dresser. I'm talking about the Spirit of God coming in and tending to the vine. That the Spirit of God would come. And it would tend. To this vine. And make sure that it's healthy. Jesus is the vine. But if the spirit of God. Would come in. And it would tend to the vine. Let's let's continue there. In John chapter 15 verse 2. It says that. Every branch in me. That beareth not fruit. He taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit. He purgeth it. That it may bring forth more fruit. Jesus is the vine, and there's two things that are taking place as the Spirit begins to come, as the Father begins to come, and to take care of these areas of the vine that are either bearing fruit or not bearing fruit. There's two things that, uh, two areas, in which the the spirit will begin to come and address uh, address it to make sure that the the vine is producing what it ought to produce. The first is that God comes in and he prunes uh, prunes away or he, he takes away the things that are not bearing fruit, those things that are not healthy, that are not uh, not uh, producing the things that they ought to produce uh, when in uh, when in perfect alignment with God, and so it tears those things away, or it takes those things away. The second thing that it does is those areas that are producing fruit; those branches that are producing fruit, he purges them, or he takes, he snips away little areas in there that uh, that need to, uh, you know, don't need to be there. It's and he does it so that it can produce more fruit. Do we have anybody in here who's uh, a a green thumb, or you have, uh, you're really good with gardening. You you understand. If you, if, that, if that's you, then you understand that there's uh, even in a, a healthy tree or a healthy uh, plant that you will cut away healthy parts of that in order to make the rest of it even better. That. When you have too many, uh, too many places that, that the, the nutrients from that, uh, that is pulling up from the ground and it's, it's trying to push all of those to every single area and, and you have, you have some areas, uh, you know, that, you know, it's, 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 it doesn't have enough, uh, nutrients to, uh, to make it flourish and, and full, uh, with all of that. So it cut, you cut away some of those areas so that all the nutrients, uh, can, can Fully get to uh, get to the majority of, of or get to the rest, and you have a full fruit uh, or fullness of the fruit from that tree or from that bush when you begin to prune it. And so that's what's taking place here. We see that God is cutting away dead things, but He's also pruning the things that are are good in order to make them better. We see that the fruit of the spirit. It's just one of the. One of the areas in which we see fruit, and it's in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. It says that the fruit of the Spirit is love, it's joy, peace, long suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. These, these areas of our life, these, these areas of our life where if we allow God to uh, to begin to inspect our life, if we submit our flesh to the Spirit of God, and we we be, we allow Him to come in and 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 take an overview of our life and say, "Is this fruit present in you? Is there anywhere that this fruit could uh, could even grow and become greater?" There's there's Maybe some areas of your life where where he says I don't see any of the fruit of my spirit in this area of your life. We need to do some trimming. We need to do some some cutting back from uh, from these these activities that you are involved in, or these these things that you're allowing yourself to dwell in, and 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 you're you're, you're worried about. Uh, this over here, maybe it's an activity that you're involved in, but the fruit of of your labor in that activity is not the fruit that would be of the spirit of God. You know, it's even possible at times to uh, to be doing church work or to be doing things in, you know, for God. And yet the product of it is not producing in us, love, joy, peace, long suffering. It's not producing the intended fruit that God would want. It's, it's possible to even be doing good things, but, uh, but if the result of it is not, uh, is not fruit that is pleasing to God, then is it really what God would have us to do? Is that really what God is wanting us to, uh, to to put our time and our effort in? or would he rather cut those things out and, and have us have us uh, spend, spend our time or spend our efforts in doing things that are producing the fruit of God? Now we also see and I believe that this is also uh, referring to the offspring fruit, which is the offspring of the tree. Something that can produce more multiplies; uh, it continues to multiply, and, and we see uh, that that uh, offspring come. And if you don't see offspring uh, out of what you're doing, if you're not seeing results, uh, then then perhaps it's time to cut away. But I want to let's let's continue here in verse number three. I'm kind of just laying some groundwork here so far. Verse number three, it says, now you are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. You are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. This, when I when I read it, I'm studying here and thinking, why did he take this shift to all of a sudden talk about cleanliness? It seems like a, a rather odd shift when he's he's he, been speaking about the vine and... Cutting away the vine, pruning the vine, making sure that it's healthy. And then he, he seems like it, it takes a little shift here to, to say, now you're clean through the word that I've spoken unto you. But then I got diving into this word clean. And, and we look into the Greek of this word clean. And it's this, uh, this Greek word katharos, which means pure, without blemish, spotless. And it has the same root word, this catharos, and you can see it there, uh, kath- kathiro, kathiro, which is the word purgeth in that previous verse. When he talks about purging the areas of our life that have, uh, that have fruits, but he's taking or he's cleansing the filthy impurity. He's pruning the trees and the vines of their useless shoots. It's purging us, so he does this purging process, this cleaning process in us through his word. You can also see that um, the the end of that word purgeth is the other word that's used in verse two, which means to take away. It's this just iro, not catharo, but just iroh, which means to bear away and, or to carry off. And so we see those the connective tissue of those those three words there. But this purging process of what God is doing in us as the vine, it's comes through the word of God. It comes through uh, allowing his word to speak to us. And uh, I, I'm so thankful that the word of God is alive. Right. I'm thankful that there is a The word when you open it up, it can speak to my very issue that I'm going through right now. It can speak to me in my, it may have been written 2,000 years ago, but it's still just as alive and relevant today as it was when it was first penned. I'm thankful for the Word of God. I'm thankful that it can come in and it is as that two-edged sword that does pierce and it divides asunder the thoughts and the intents of the heart. It comes in and it can cut away those uh, those things from the vine, those things that don't belong in us It begins to cut those things away. We see that analogy also in John chapter 8 where uh, he says, Jesus says, if you abide in my word, then you're my disciples indeed. If you remain in my word, if you do not depart. From my word, then you are my disciples. The word of God will cleanse us. The word of God will purify us. The word of God will keep us connected uh, to to the our purpose. And, uh, it, will, it will keep us connected to our the will of God. But here is this next verse, this next little passage here, is really the crux of what I want to speak on tonight. Verse number four, abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can ye, except you abide in me. I am the vine, and you are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. And if a man abide not in me, then he is cast forth as a branch and he is withered and men gather them, they cast them into the fire and they're burned. But if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my father glorified that ye bear much fruit so that, so shall ye be my disciples. Abiding in God, just abiding in God. It says, "Abide in me, and I'll abide in you." This this abiding, this, this principle of abiding. It's it's uh, speaking of. It's using, uh, or usually, uh, this this word is used in the context of a house or a place that somebody would dwell. He's using it in a different context somewhat here, but, but this it's typically used in this, this context. You, the place that you abide, the place that you go and you, you find rest, the place that, that you would call your home, your abode. This is, this is the place that you would find protection. This is where you would run to to find shelter. He says, abide in me. Come and 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 find rest in me. I want you to come and just dwell right here with me. Now Jesus is using this in reference to the vine and the branches, and how that branch, unless it's connected, unless it is completely uh, abiding within that vine and getting its sustenance and getting uh, remaining fully connected to the source of the vine, then it's going to wither away. It's not going to ever. It's never never going to last. And we can thinking about how how so often in in our life we we try we try to please God. I'm thankful for uh, for this church, and I, I believe that everyone here tonight that you do your very best to try to please God, and that that we we want to please God, and and sometimes uh, we we do things in our life in order to please God. Well. We'll do things that, uh, that it's like, God, I want to uh, I want to uh, make sure that I pray or, I, or rather I want to make sure that I, I read the scripture in the morning. And I want to make sure that uh, uh, that I'm doing the things that you would ask me to do. And, and and there are times if I'm honest about myself, there are times when I've done that in order to check a box. There's times in my own life, where I have gotten um, just made sure you know i I know that I'm supposed to get into your word, and so uh, let, me, let me make sure that I, I open it up and i okay, I checked the box I'm good it none of it really sank in, none of it really affected me that day when I read it, but I did read it i i want to I come to church because that's what's expected of me i a church, we can even uh we can even get into a trap at times of of saying, God, I want to build the church because that is gonna please you. God, I want I want to have a church that's full here because God, you will look down and you will applaud my efforts at filling the church house. Oh, and if we're honest, sometimes that can be our um our, our drive at, at times about, God, I want to work. I want to perform well. I want to impress you. God, I, I want to build something great. I want to make sure that I'm working well enough that at the end of the day, you'll stand there and you'll say, good job. Well done, my my good and faithful servant. And we can... We can do all of these things, and I believe that all of those things are good. And I do believe that God receives pleasure from uh, from a, a full house. And I believe that God receives pleasure from us uh, praying. And I believe that God receives pleasure from us getting to His Word. And that He receives pleasure from us coming to uh, to the house of God and worshiping Him. But let us never do it in order to perform. I don't want to do it in order to impress God. I rather just want to abide in Christ. And as long as I abide in Christ, all of those other things happen out of the, out of the outflow of the vine and out of the outflow of what God is speaking to us and doing in us. I don't want to, I don't want to work tirelessly. I don't want to try to outperform my, um, I'll just outperform what I, you know, I've done in my past uh, because because I want to try to build up something great. And no, I want to. I just want to abide in you, and I just want to remain connected to you, God. If if there's one thing above above all that you would ask of me, the the number one thing is that I would get to know you on a deep personal level and that i would abide in you and that i would find my sustenance and my life in you and that above everything god i just i just want that to be the driving force of my when i wake up in the morning and when i lay my head to rest god that i abide in you today and what does that look like what does it look like to abide in christ i believe it it's, it's like what, uh, what Paul says when he says uh, to pray without ceasing. And that you pray without ceasing. It's a, uh, it's a attitude that you have. That only comes when you are, are abiding in Christ. Now, it's, it doesn't mean that you're right here at the altar all day, 24 hours a day. Or that you're in your prayer closet at home 24 hours a day. That's not what he's, he's speaking of when he says pray without ceasing. He's saying uh, you need to be ready at any time to always reach out to the Lord and say, God, what is your will? God, what is your will in this? Let that be your, your first uh, your, 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 your reaction that, that you would automatically just go and, and, and seek the Lord and allow him to speak into your situation. Abiding is, uh, is is finding your um, is finding your identity in who you are, and not in what you do. And that's a big thing. I want to find my identity in who I am. That I am a child of God. My identity is one that is wrapped and clothed in Him. That I abide in him. That if they, what does that mean if you abide in him? That means that from the outside, others looking at you, they see Christ. They don't see me. It's not about people applauding me. It's not about people seeing my performance and thinking, wow, he's, this is a really good, really good guy right there. He's done a lot. No, I want them to see Christ in me. He says, abide in me and I'll abide in you. When you abide in me, you, uh, it's, it's a place where, uh, where your number one goal is to simply to please God. Your number one goal is to simply please God. And in many days, that simply looks like you just taking some rest and saying, God, I've been spinning my wheels a lot lately, and I just need to allow your refreshing to come. God, I need your refreshing to come and to, to begin to speak to me and give me direction before I move any further. Before I go and take another step in you, God, I need you to give me direction. I want to abide in you. I don't want to get ahead of you. I don't want to go behind you. God, I want to abide in you. That doesn't mean that you're always just standing still, but, but because God, he, he begins to move and you better move. And when God stops, you stop. I was speaking to somebody earlier today about, about this, about a body in Christ and I uh, said it may look like you stepping into, into your home and, and you, uh, you've had, you've been thinking all day, all day long about uh, what you are going to say to your spouse when you enter in because you 've been dealing with some things and and you have your answer, you have your uh, your thing that you 're about to unload, and then all of a sudden the Lord speaks to you and he says no i don 't want you to say anything if you abide in Christ, your mouth shuts, and you just listen to what God would say. abiding in Christ is finding pleasure in him abiding in pri- Christ is obeying. Him, that's what he goes on to say here in verses 9 and 10. He says, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye my love, that if you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love. Even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. That if you keep my commandments, then you shall abide in my love. That his commandments... Are born out of his love for you. That the commandments of God are born out of the fact that God loves you more than any, than any, anybody else could possibly love you. This There is no possible way that the world could love you more than what God loves you. Your parents don't love you more than what God loves you. Your spouse doesn't love you more than how much God loves you. That God, his love for you, it breaks down every wall. God's love for you, it it, it goes beyond any kind of human capacity for love. And that's where his commandments are born out of that love. And that's why he says, if you keep my commandments, then you understand my love for you. If you keep my commandments, you understand that uh, that these things are are born out of the fact that I'm keeping you safe. I'm I'm keeping you out of harm's way. In 1 John chapter chapter 4, verse 7 and 8, it says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God, and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. God is love. This is his identity of who he is. God is love. And when you abide in him, you you understand that the immense love that God has for you and you can't help but but to just Just walk in in the love of God and just say, Lord, I want to please you. God, I I want to, whatever I'm doing, God, it's not out of performance. It's not out of impressing you. God, I just understand that you love me. And as long as you love me, God, I want to show you how much I love you back. In John chapter 13, verse 35, it says, by this... Uh, By this, all men will know that you are my disciples, that if you have love, one to another. That if you have love, you show affection. It's agape love, a a love feast one toward another. That the way that you treat others is reflective of you abiding in Christ. When you abide in Christ and you understand the fullness of the love of God toward you, then that same love comes out of you and, and you, you see that expressed toward one another. And he says, it's by that love that you know that you are my disciples. And then he finishes there this passage in verse 11. This is where we began. In verse 11, he says that these things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. And I just felt the weight of that as I read it. I've read all of this, this passage and studied it over before. But this, this verse 11, it, uh, I guess I didn't connect that previously in this. In thinking of the weight of what he's saying here. That it's as long as you abide in me and i abide in you that as long as you have done that then my joy will remain in you and this is where this is where my mind went with all of this and i'm feeling that what jesus is is speaking here about about living for him and about about pursuing god and and making sure that that everything that we're doing and, and following his commandments and and we're, we're doing all this and, and and yet sometimes it feels like we're weighted down sometimes it feels like it's uh it, it's it's tough to, to do what God is asking of us or it's it's tough and we're trying to to fix this issue over here in our life and we're trying to get this area of our life under control and anybody ever been there where your life feels a little bit chaotic and you're trying to uh you're trying to like hey you wrangle it all in and 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 say god and you start praying and you're praying about this issue and you're praying about that issue and, and you have all these things going on and 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 you're like god i don't know what i'm doing wrong but there i must be doing something wrong because it feels like everything's falling apart maybe you've been there you're like god i'm trying to i'm going to church every every week god i'm i'm praying even in the mornings i am you know I'm here. I'm, I'm serving you. I'm doing good things. And God's simply saying. Let's stop worrying about trying to fixing. or you trying to figure out a way to fix every one of these issues? And instead, I just want you to come and spend some time with me. Instead, let's let the number one thing be that you would abide in me. And let that be your number one focus. That you would dwell With me. And allow my spirit to come and dwell in you. And, and as I'm, as I do that, I'll be, I, I will, uh, as, as the vine dresser, as the spirit, as you're dwelling in me, I will come and I will cut away those things that don't belong. I'll, I'll reveal some things to you. I'll give you, I'll give you some understanding of what you need to do. And it's, uh, it's gonna go far beyond what you ever, uh, thought you could do of your own capacity. To fix these issues. He's saying I just want you to come. Spend some time with me. When you feel like your your life is falling apart. Stop chasing. Chasing down all the. All the. The, the, the trail of of all these crumbs that are falling apart and stop chasing them and and trying to put them all back together instead just run to the feet of Jesus and spend time in his presence and as you spend time in his presence he's he's putting all those things back together and he's saying here let me give you some joy because if you abide in me you're going to find that there's joy that I'm going to have overflowing in your life there's peace that you're going to find in my presence. There, you're, you're not going to find anxiety. You're not going to find all the, all the troubles of life when you're in, in my presence. You're not, when you're abiding in me, you're going to find that when I begin to cut away some things from your life, you're saying, yes, God, I understand that. I understand why you're asking me to stop doing this. God, I understand why you're asking me to, to cut off this friendship. It may be hard. But I have joy in it because I abide in you, God. I understand where there's where there's this area of my life that I feel like is even going. It's going well, but yet you're asking me to uh, to make some changes. You're asking me, uh, you know, not to uh, not to spend as much time in it. And it's because you're pruning it. You're trying to to make me full of fruit. And I'm spending all my efforts and all my time, you know, doing this thing that I think is so great and so, so good. But yet God says, you need to hold off on that right now because I'm trying to, to make some good fruit and make you full of fruit. And, and you're spending all your effort and all your time just in doing this when, when I'm trying to get you just to focus on me and, and allow, and as, and as you do so let me let me make you fuller and in in producing fruit in other areas of your life i don't know if it's making sense to everybody, but i've just found myself at times trying to pursue uh building a church or or Performing for God and making sure that I've got my life on track and making sure that I'm, I'm doing this right. I'm raising my children right. I'm doing this well. And it can get tiring at times or it can get taxing at at times and, and, and you're, you're, when you're, when you're trying to perform or when you're trying to impress God or you're trying to just build something for God, at the end of the day, you're going to be worn out. You're going to be, uh, find yourself at a place where it's, Uh, You know, it's like, man, did I really put all of that work in and I'm not seeing much fruit for my labor? And yet when God says, if you just abide in me, if you just let your number one priority be about spending time with me and allowing me to speak to you, speak into your life, cut away those areas that ought not be there. When I move, you move. When I stop, you stop. You abide in me and I abide in you. When my spirit is leading you and guiding you, you'll find that the joy is there. That there's joy and there's joy in in allowing God to uh, to prune us. There's joy in allowing God to, to 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 make the areas of our life see a the abundance of the fruits that would come from uh, come from God. But there's there's joy in it because we're abiding in Christ. It says in Nehemiah chapter chapter eight verse ten, it says that the joy of the Lord is your strength. The joy of the Lord is my strength. I want to walk in strength. I want to find and and, and and invest in that that thing that's going to bring joy. He says that my joy will remain in you. Your joy will be full as long as you abide in Christ. I wonder if we here tonight, we've got a few minutes left. If we, I wonder if we could just close this out with just a little time of prayer. I know it's a Wednesday night. We've got five or ten minutes here from when we usually let out. And I wonder if we could just lift up our hands. and, In fact, let's, let's stand in this place. When I think about the goodness of God, all that he's done for me, when I think of everything that God's done, when I think of who he is, come on, I just get excited. I just get overwhelmed by the love that he would have towards me. Uh, When I think of who you are, come on, is there somebody here right now? You could just lift up your hands. But you could just spend a little time right now, just calling out to God. Say, God! I pray that you would help me to get my mind, my priorities right, God. That I wouldn't do, it. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be living for you in order to please somebody else, God. I'm not doing this in order to show my spouse how good I am. I'm not doing this in order to show my coworker that uh, that I've got my life aligned, God. I'm not doing this. Because, uh, because it's what the pastor expects of me. God, I'm not showing up to church just because this is checking off a box. God, I'm here because I want to be in your presence. God, I'm here because I want to be with you. God, I'm here because you died for me. God, I'm here, Lord, because you you uh, you gave your love and, and through your love, God, you you commend it towards us, Lord. I'm thankful, Lord Jesus, that you would show your love towards me. God, I pray, Lord Jesus, that we would just. Allow your spirit, allow your presence, God, to to, to surround us in this place. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Well, is there somebody that can really pray right now? In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, Lord, I worship you. God, I thank the Lord that we can find, Lord, the security.